welcome to the Up The Cream podcast episode 13. I'm Don Tomlinson. I'm joined as always by Rich Harrison. How are you doing, pal? Yeah, I'm good, mate. And you? Yeah, not, not so bad, mate. I, even so, after Friday night, um, a bit of a humbling defeat to St. Helens. They beat us 34-16 and pretty comfortable from their point of view. Yeah, yeah, we just never got started, did we? Um, I mean, you know, letting that first kick off go out, and um, and from there it was it was downhill really. <laughs> we just never really got started. No, <laughs> still on the bus. Unfortunately, when St. Helens kicked off, obviously ball bounce went yeah. dead. You know, next time we saw the ball, we were ten 0 down, and unfortunately it was an uphill climb from there. It was, yeah, disappointing really, just to see the errors creep into Hull FC's game. Sort of picked up from where they left off at Headingley on on the Sunday, and. Yeah, just basic mistakes, you know, errors at the play of the ball, dropping ball in contact, you know, pushing the pass when really you just want it all to complete. Because again, the completion rate was shocking and it just, just didn't give ourselves any chance and, and St. Helens need no introduction. They're a phenomenal side and they will punish you and they did. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, what, at one stage there, I think they had 75% of the ball and, and, you know, we didn't lose by 50 points, did we? Normally when a, when a team, and especially a team that's, that's reputed to be the best in the league, have seventy five percent of the um, of, of the possession. You'd expect a massive win, wouldn't you? But um, I thought we held them fairly well. Our scramble was fairly good. Like you say, stupid errors. Um, and it you know goes back to what we were saying last week about you know what's the whole side going to be like when we're chasing points. Now we were chasing points, and it, it meant that we were throwing silly balls around and, and trying to score from every play. And I don't think we kept our um, our head very well. No, discipline is, is is becoming an issue, and I've noticed yeah. a lot of fans just love to jump on referees' backs. And we, we've talked about set restarts all the way through this year on the podcast we've done, and we do, we don't like them. Simple as that. But when you're on top, when you've got most of the possession, you're playing on the front foot. You're gonna get them more than a side that's playing catch up, and you know, was under the cosh or who's, you know, getting pinned in their own half and struggling to make ground. And that's how it panned out. And I'll be that. It must be said. It was frustrating. Uh, to see Chris Kendall give all their first two literally in the last set of the first half. I think it was thirty seconds yeah. and ten seconds before half time, and that was yeah. that was frustrating. But yeah, they're just going to roll on. They capitalised on Hull's ill discipline. Like you say, they had all the ball, all the momentum was with them, and and yeah, to say we only conceded six tries and thirty four points. I mean, it sounds a bit pathetic, but Hull sides of the previous two, even three years, would have yeah. would have conceded fifty sixty quite easily, and it wouldn't have even been a surprise yeah. to see that. So. Yeah, we definitely, you're 100% nil on the head that we are built of sterner stuff. Now, must admit, it is, a, it is a small win, but to draw the second half 12 all after that first half and how bad it went, mm. did show some character and it, it is something to take into next week because obviously it's the same opposition and it's a massive game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to say that the score that it was, um, there's nothing there that should frighten us. They weren't crash hot. They weren't brilliant. Um, you know, and you know they came off the back of a of a poor defeat the week before, um, and and you know they obviously had something to prove, and that the coach has really given a bit of a tickle up during the week in training and everything, and said no, you need to go out and prove me wrong and all the rest of it. But to be honest, looking at that side, there's nothing there that, that should really worry us. I thought we, you know, apart from some some silly errors, and let's face it, you know, I mean the first try of theirs, which put us behind came from us letting the kickoff go out and you know and then the next one was you know they manufactured a three on one and I'm sure everyone's going to pile in on, on Fanua but Fanua wasn't at fault there I mean, he, he was left completely high and dry by his second draft forward and his, and his centre 
Um, there's nothing he could have done. He had, he had three men in front of him and he just had to make a decision to go for one of them. Unfortunately, the ball went out the back. Um, so, you know, there was nothing there really that you look at and think, oh, they're a world-class team and we were way off. Because because they went crash hot. I thought that the, the ref was, you know, average. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, they had two or three tries disallowed as well, uh, which they probably should have got. Um, but even then, you know, we were, we were chasing the game, you know, Sneed running through twice, clean breaks, and nobody on his on his shoulder, which is unforgivable. Um, you know, you, I mean, we, we could say that if, if Scholl was in that team, he would have been on, on Sneed's shoulder or probably got full length of field. Um, Connor's not that kind of, of, of player that he's going to back up through the middle. Swift did when he played fullback a couple of weeks ago, but then again, Swift or Scholl aren't going to put the two kicks through for the tries that we scored. So, you know, you, you've got to kind of take the rough with the smooth there. But honestly, there's nothing in that in that performance that makes me look at the, the cup game coming up and going, we've got no chance. We've got every chance. We've got to improve a lot. But I don't think there's a lot of improvement in Saints. I think they were about as good as they can be. I spoke to a couple of Saints fans. There was a, a bloke who kindly gave me some pictures from redv.net called Kev. Yeah, and that, yeah. yeah, he said he was uh, the... That was the best performance they've had with ball and hand this year because they've we talked about this last week they've been defensively tough but they haven't really clicked yes. in, in their attack but i thought you know they got a bit of a reality check at catalans the week before they played us and i thought it was the speed of the game that got me the speed of which they play at and james roby dashing out a fucker and you know getting the ball in lomax's hands in three or five's hands i must admit johnny lomax i'm a big fan for me he's still the best player in the competition he's, he's been the best player in the competition for three years now and he ripped us apart he ripped our right edge apart, must be said. Every time he got the ball, he looked capable of breaking the line or putting someone through a gap. And, and that's the way it panned out. I completely agree with you with the Fenua point. I think, how can you hang a winger out to dry when he's three on one? Oh, he should have stayed on his wing. Yeah. Well, the centre scores then. He's still on your wing, then the centre gets a, a stroll in. He comes inside, you yeah. know, the winger scores. It's, it's, he's on a double-edged sword there. He's on hard into nothing. I mean, blaming so, Fenua for that. It's like people having to go at Josh Reynolds for being quiet in a game where we had a quarter of the ball. It's like, what do they expect? Yeah. It's... Yeah, you, you can't do anything when you've got 25% of the ball. Exactly. You know? And he's not going to touch it every set of six. That's, that's the difference. And especially not when a lot of our sets of six were all in our own 20 trying to get out of trouble. You know? And, uh, when you when halfback's playing behind a pack that's getting toweled up, because we did... You know, I mean, you can look at Sao and you can look at look at Satai. There was some. By the time they'd got through all of that defensive work, they weren't in any any fit state to start busting the line. I thought Manu Mayu had his had his best game for us. Um, well, certainly this season, I thought he was outstanding. Uh, he bent the line every time he, he ran at it. He hit hard in defence. I thought he was very very good. But you know, it was a beaten pack, and you know, you can't blame a half back. You can't blame a half back. When you're playing behind the beaten pack, you know. Again, though, Snead had a good game. So you know, even though we were retreating a lot of the time, you know, how often can you say that Snead makes two line breaks? Never. You know, he's obviously he's taken that on himself and thought we're in trouble here. Our outside backs aren't making the the making you know coming out of our own half. Our forward pack are getting told up. I've got to do something. So you know, the little step and run. Good on him. Because that shows absolute leadership. It just, you know, like I said, we'll improve and we have to improve. But honestly, I'd, I'd still think the cup games are 50-50. I really do. Knockout rugby 
there's it is a lottery because and Hull FC have got the capability to shock them in a one-off game when a winner-take-all scenario. We've we've done that before. I mean, we still reminisce about 2005 even now and it was 16 years ago because it was that good of a performance and we've seen it with the two cut winning years you know a bit Wigan what was it three four weeks ago with another you know colossal defensive yeah. effort when no one you know including the RFL who obviously booked Lee as a semi-final based on geography you know no one gave us a cat and chance of winning that but we did it, a one-off game anything can happen and yeah who are going to have to be absolutely perfect that goes without saying but the, the capability is there you know, they have to tighten up, they're going to have to be more intense, they're going to have to play at a faster pace, because you've got to match St. Helens' pace, that's that's a given. If you let them get a roll on, then they'll put the points on you. But, yeah, if we can tighten up, be error-free. I mean, that was the thing, it was just another display littered with errors and too much defence. Like Leeds, Leeds was a great defensive effort. You know, absolutely phenomenal to see Hull roll the sleeves up and put that sort of effort in. But if you're looking at it without the back of my goggles, you're thinking, that is too much defending. And there's a reason we're doing so much defending, because we can't hold the bloody ball. Well, six of those six of those sets in our own line against Leeds <clears throat> came from drop balls, yeah, or other other misdemeanors, you know. So it's thirty six tackles that we didn't have to do, you know, from our own stupidity, our own carelessness, our own mistakes. You know, you can say it was it was similar this week, but once Saints are on a roll, <clears throat> they're very very difficult to get off it. Very difficult, and you know, I mean. How long was it? I think I don't think we touched the ball for the first. You know, apart from Snead, literally his fingertips touching that ball when we kicked it off. We didn't touch the ball again for how many minutes? Five or six, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We didn't get a first set until until like you know um, five or six gone on the clock. You know, you can't build a performance on that. It was just silly mistakes, silly errors, and unfortunately, we were playing the best team in the league. Yeah, and they are the best team in the league. I mean, yeah. Also, we've got to take that into consideration. Yes, hold. Hull's performance was littered with errors again. It wasn't the best, you know, we'll see a Hodgson side play a lot better than that as the season goes on. That goes without saying again. But you've got to credit your opposition sometimes and sometimes an opposition are just too good for you. And that was the case on Friday night. They're, they're, when they when they click, they are bloody hard to stop. And it goes without saying, they've lost about 10 league games in three years. Yeah. We, we, you know, we made the same amount of errors against Leeds and beat them. We could make double the amount of errors against Rovers or Lee and beat them. You can't make those amount that, that amount of errors against St. Helens and expect to win. You can't. No, that's that's the reality of it. Um, yeah, and it, it, it's simple as that. And obviously, it goes without saying that when you make those errors, you get the sway of possession that St. Helens is that had. I mean, their forward pack making four hundred ninety-three meters, and our middles making two hundred thirty-eight. You know, that's a substantial difference. That's two lengths of the field more than what Hull made, and. It showed, you know, big blocks, Alex Walmsley, Louis McCarthy, Scarsbrook, you know, they, they rampage downfield, Kyle Amor, you know, yeah. that, uh, Parsi, P-A-A-S-I, I think I've got that right, Parsi, yeah, he had a, you know, yeah, Parsi, back, yeah. I mean, his kickoff returns, when they when they caught the ball and gave it to him off the kickoff, he was running it in like water on rock, you know, yeah. obviously a great import, and yeah, they've just, they've got big blocks, you know, the back rollers are good, they say the half-backs are good, the outside-backs are fast, even the ones that came in for... Obviously, the injured Regan Grace, Tommy Makinson, Lachlan Coote at fullback is is a sensational fullback. So yeah, they're they're a good side, aren't they? And obviously, we all know that. And when you don't hit them, when you don't play to your you know the best of your capabilities, and you come up against them, then you're going to get beat. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we go again, don't we? And I hate that saying, but we go again. And um, you know, I think our next league game's Castleford, isn't it? Yeah. After we get off off cup duty, yeah. so you know, hopefully, we're going to Castleford. With a rousing winning the cup semi final in our ears, and 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 we go and, and show Cass, you know exactly what they're exactly what to expect from a Lee Radford 
Bought side. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what, mate? After this semi final, we've got eight games in a row against sides lower than us in the table. I know I don't want to get too ahead of myself because obviously the cup game is huge, but after that, you've got eight games in Super League against teams like Cass, Lee, Rovers, yeah. you know, Salford, Huddersfield, yeah. Lee again, then Huddersfield again. So they're all blowers. I know Hull's four wins this year have come against the teams 11th placed, 10th placed, 9th placed, and 8th placed. They've drawn one and lost the three to the four teams above them. So there's no reason why we can't go on a crazy run in and thinking, hang on, next minute we're top two, top three. <laughs> you, you never know, Absolutely. do you? Absolutely. And you know, you look at you look at the, the teams with the teams have, have beaten us. You know, drawing against um, Warrington and taking that at the start of the season, losing to Wigan in the league, you, you'd kind of expect losing to Saints in the league, you kind of expect. You know, um, it's it's not it's not doom and gloom, mate. We're a better outfit this year than we were last year. We're better coached. We're better disciplined. We're better drilled. Um, you know, this next six, eight weeks will really define how our season goes. No, I, I completely, completely agree with that. Absolutely. Um, and it will we'll learn a few things from it as well. We'll learn how you know how our attitude and how our mentality is, especially when we go from a high, you know, a massive game. Whatever the result pans out next week, you you know you're at Castleford on a Thursday night. It's a bit of a come down, isn't it? And then obviously when you are playing teams like Rovers, you know, pub teams, you know, teams like Lee, Huddersfield, Salford, it will be it's a challenge in itself to raise your game and stick to those standards week in week out. As that's the only thing I say that disappointed me with the Centre Island's performance because we're much better than that. We have been much better than that throughout the year. And I know we've got holes in our squad. We've talked about it throughout the year again. You know, we've voiced our desire for a prop. I mean, you've banged Lee and watched him ever since he left three and a half years ago. Just, we haven't replaced him. And we know that. And we know we've probably got, you know, we're top heavy in the backs and we should have used that cap money a little bit better and gone big in the forwards. We all know that, don't we? And we know the where we sit. I mean, what did we say? We said fourth, fifth play side this year would be happy with that a decent cut run well, we've got that we're in the last four one game away from Wembley I think a little bit of realism does need to come in this is a I don't want to say it's a transitional year because it's not because we're better than that but it's a year where we're not going to go out and reinvent the wheel and we're not going to be top of the league we're not going to be winning silverware left right and centre but if we can you know embed some foundations under Brett Hodgson reassess it at the end of the year he you know he brings in who he wants he gets rid of obviously the players he don't want at the club anymore and, and we go from there but yeah I think Right now, everything's probably panned out as we expected. Yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's unfair. Um, and you know, like we, we keep saying, we've said it every week. It's his Radford squad. It's Radford squad plus Reynolds. That's all this is. And you know, it's not like we've got a kid coming through the ranks who's six foot five, twenty stone, and, and an absolute wrecking ball. Because we haven't. There's no one in our youth set up that, that fits the bill there as a young tough prop. You know, Matongo, who it was it was down to him this year to kick on or go. Unfortunately, he's been inflicted by a terrible injury and he's had some personal issues as well. Um, you know, so he's he's out of the out of the equation. You know, you've got um, Scott Taylor with a long term injury. Bowden was only just back this week. You know, we're very very late in the forwards. We signed Liggy Sowers a lock as a number thirteen. We didn't sign him as a prop. You know, so the fact that he's playing through the middle. You know, as a starting prop with with Chris Satai, who again at the start of the season you wouldn't have said was a starting prop. You'd have expected him to come off the bench. Um, you know, um, we we are short of muscle. We're short of big guys up front, and I'll be very interested to see what our business is um, because there's some big names coming off contract over here. Um, and if we do get rid of a Farima, um, yeah, there's there's every chance that that we could we could be dipping into the market for a prop. 
Yeah, three more's on a hard into nothing, unfortunately, because he's the winger out of contract, and my has got yeah. another year. So it's as brutal as that, and it, the rugby league can yeah. be ruthless at times. But yeah, he is going to go, and he unfortunately, I don't like he the bloke, and he has had some moments in the whole shirt where he's done really well. But we need props. I mean, Catalans, the Tendals over. They've just gone back to the south of France, beaten Saint Helens, you know, back to back Super League yeah. champions, and then just absolutely annihilated Wigan forty eight nil. And what we're saying, oh yeah, we can do it lows like that. You know, that's that's very rare when you see we can get absolutely stuffed. Must admit, it was great, yeah. great to see, great to see that result on Saturday <laughs> evening. But it doesn't happen right, very regularly. Yeah, you're right. They, they don't get towed up like that ever, 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 ever. But the are a bloody good team this year. And I tell you what, it makes that, that game that we lost against them look a bit better, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, a bit more respectable. Yeah. Because you know the fact that they've just beaten Saints and Wigan in, in successive weeks, bloody hell. You wouldn't expect that. You know, Catalans, one thing you could say about Catalans is they've always had flair, but they always liked a bit of steel. And Mike Namara has really given them a bit of steel, I think. He's, um, I mean, you know, much as I don't like him as a bloke, Sam Tompkins, probably his best, he's as, as good as he ever was. I don't know what he's given Josh Drinkwater, but, you know, he's a completely different player. Um, you know, McMeekin, McLaurin, very, very good professionals but just seem to have uh, just got up another level really since they went there um and you know you can't really say much about you know there's a couple of little <coughs> there's not a lot of french talent in that team but you know you've got four or five there um that, that are doing that are doing the job and and you know the, the local supporters are right behind them and it's, it's great to see great to see yeah, well, I mean, got... that wasn't a great Wigan team. It wasn't a great nah. Wigan team that went out there. there. There was a lot of young kids and stuff. But again, you know, Wigan don't lose like that. Exactly. They still had Hardacre, they still had Lulai, they still had Hastings, they still had Bateman. You know, um, they should have done better than that. No, I agree, mate. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Absolutely agree. And I must admit, it was great to see the Tompkins brothers get on Hardacre's backside and give him a tough start, tough uh, time in that little scrap in the second half. The uh, thing is with Catalans, they have got some. You know, they've got a, uh, a splatter of French talent in that side now, but Arthur Margot comes off the bench, a little fullback, he's a good player, and uh, Mathieu Laguerre on the wing, you know, he has obviously come in, he made his debut against Rovers in round one, actually, he scored a strive, decent. Uh, if you remember, got absolutely rinsed by Jenna Brooks in the Sky Sports post-match interview, I remember Steve McNamara saying that's the, that was the toughest aspect of his debut, you know, speaking to the media after the game, never mind what he did on the field. But they've got some good French kids coming through, but what, what they've always had is they've had size, haven't they? They've got a huge pack. I mean, Bousquet, Dudson, Cassiano, Goodman, you know, even the back rowers, McMeek and Joe Tompkins, they are, they're big blocks, aren't they? they you know, they totally, obviously pack a punch. They've had size down, they've never had the steel, have they? Yeah. The heads have always gone down when they've gone a couple of scores down Catalans, but he, he just seems to have got them rocking. He really does. And, and, you know, it surprised me because, uh, you know, I know that McNamara has been touted as a potential home coach a couple of times in his career and I've always kind of gone, oh, I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, from what he's doing there, he's doing, he's doing a fantastic job there. The only thing that would worry me is they was very good at the start of last year, then post-lockdown they got worse and worse and then they ended up getting smashed like 48-2 by St. Helens in the yeah. playoffs. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously the challenge for them is maintaining it, but they did... They did win a cup, you know, they're right up there this year. They're definitely a contender. I think there's obviously some mileage for Hull to get better there and close that gap, you know, to get to the top three right now. I think Warrington would prove we're on, we're on the same level as them. You know, we, we well, in that game against Warrington, they draw at home. You know, they had the majority of the possession. They had the chances to win, but we, you know, we're pretty comfortable in how we defended that game. And I, but I, th I don't think 
although we beat Wigan, obviously we got beat by Catalans and beat by St Helens. There is a little bit of a you know a gap to close there, and but we know the score. I think we, again we've got to be realistic in our expectations this year. And you know if we win on Saturday against St Helens, that that'll be huge going back to Wembley. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, and we want the league, but. Is this side good enough to be challenging for Super League this year? Probably not. If we're being, you know, if we're being ruthlessly honest, I mean, there's a lot of quality there. Don't get me wrong; we've got some phenomenal players. But like I said, give it, give it the next six eight weeks. You know, let's see how we perform against the sides that are below us on the table. And if we can string a, a set of results together and we end up second or third, well, then it then it becomes knockout football again, doesn't it? Which really mm. like another cup competition. So you know, it's it's not about finishing top of the league anymore, is it? No, that's so, the thing. Yeah. So yeah. you know, let's let's just let's just go as, as hard as we can the next the next eight six eight weeks before the fixture list turns around again and we have to play a Wigan again and we have to play a Saints again. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, no, see where we go against these. You know, the, like I say, the pub teams eight miles down the road, <laughs> east of the river. Yeah, we'll see how we go. But I just want to see a bit more. You know that that professionalism. That what the the changes that the subtle changes that Hodgson made at the start of the year when we. We're beating, you know, your Huddersfield, your Salfords. It was the manner of those victories, wasn't it? And we were so professional. We barely made any errors. You know, completion rates were brilliant. We are starting to put some points on as well. I mean, the Huddersfield and the Salford in the first half at Featherstone, you know, those performances were, you know, extremely easy on the eye. Got a bit scrappy after that. You know, performances were obviously built on defensive desire and obviously grinding them out week by week. But, yeah, I just want to see that professionalism come back. I want to see us go relatively error-free. And you know, build on our performances and build build some pressure on the opposition and earn the right to play. In. And once we do that, we've got the players to unlock a defence. You know, whether it be Mark Snead's hand or his boat. You know, the finesse of Jake Connor, the brilliance of Josh Reynolds. I just want to see us be a bit smarter in it over the next you know couple of months. And if we do that, the wins will come. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and you know, I don't think there's anything that, that we shouldn't overlook the fact that you know the first five six games of the season there was that enjoyment there because we were playing under a new coach and we, we you know we got a coach who's a little bit more looks like he enjoys a good result you know it looks like he enjoys the way that the, a, a, a team plays when they play expansively and stuff so you know there's there's something to be said for that kind of that bounce effect when you get a new coach and you get a couple of wins on the board and all of a sudden everything's better in the world than it was you know um we just got to regain that we just got to recapture it uh, we need to do it soon and hopefully, like you say, with a, with a run against lower lower um, ranked teams, let's get back on the horse and and uh, let's get match steeled. You know, let's let's get back into the habit of winning. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so important, isn't it? And obviously, we've gone win, yeah. lost, win, lost, win, lost over the past few weeks. And yeah, it'd be nice to get a few wins on the board. You know, back to back and really cement our position in the league. Um, I'm really glad you mentioned the Fenua point earlier because, you know, the individual Crusades, I thought, after the game were a bit unnecessary. You know, the full right edge were at fault. The full team were at it for minute one and you can't just go blaming individuals like that when they, you know, like say when they're isolated on a bloody wing or if they're not getting the ball yeah. in the Reynolds case. And, yeah. yeah, team and you, game. You look at the other side of it with Fenua, you know, I mean, all right, it was the last play of the game and everything, but, you know, from 10 metres out at full pace, you know, it, it, when really, by all rights, they should have smashed him into touch. You know, he left two players on the floor and walked but, and walked through them. Yeah, that, that, was, his, yeah, that was his first try, wasn't it? Yeah, that was his first try. Yeah, the second try right at the end of the game was the kick, uh, the catch from Mark Snead's kick. But the yeah, catch, sorry, yes, yeah, yeah, you're right though. The first try was that's vintage for isn't it? Ten metres out, yeah, crashing absolutely. through two players, plunking the ball down. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and you know, both of those players aren't mugs, 
and you know you'd expect the winger there to be to be in the third row of the, the, the stand. But you know he left them both on the floor and then still managed to improve the the angle for the kick. Yeah. You know he's he's an absolute he's an absolute wrecking ball when he's like that. It's just you know unfortunately the way things were he was very much left out to dry there on the wing and, and couldn't really do much about you know any of the, the tries that went past him. I, I didn't think any of them were really his fault. No, I agree. Not, just, well, not not solely his fault. No, you can't you just know? you know you can't he just had, stick a blame on an individual, can you? It's just... yeah. He had to make it a, a defensive decision because the players inside him hadn't, mm. and and that was the problem. That was the problem. I mean, people, yeah, Kawas obviously had Kawas too. had a, you know obviously an under par performance based on his mm. you know impeccably high standards, and yeah, he's getting no flack hardly. Yeah, and yeah. was getting all the pelters. It's just. You know, it's a t- that when you defend as an edge, it's it's, it's a four man game, isn't it? It's your half back, your back row, your centre, and your winger. If you get caught three on one, then obviously the men inside for haven't done their job properly. So, yeah, yeah just right. just to pick and, on and, you know, uh, You're right, and, and Carl, that was probably the worst defensive display I've seen from Carlos in years. I just thought he, he just didn't look. I don't know if he, he wasn't 100 percent fit. He just didn't look like he was he was there. No, it, like I say, it's, it's a rarity, it really is, because he's yeah. you know you're eight, nine, or ten every week. He's a phenomenally criminally underrated centre, and he's a lot yeah. better than that. He'll write some wrongs, I'm sure, on Saturday and have a, probably a stellar game, and we'll all be, you know, going crazy about Ogden's performances. Um, yeah, the thing is with Fanua is, well, and we've said it plenty of times, is it's because he's on a hiding to nothing because of how good he was in those first two years as a whole FC player, and he's gone back to West Tigers. He's played what 15 games in two years, terrible foot injury. And it just, just looks a shadow of his, of his former self. And obviously, when he's coming on that salary, he's you know, taking a, a big wedge of that cap again. And, and we say that, you know, when we already had Fremo on the books, we'd already announced the signing of Adam Swift, we'd already announced that Ratu yeah. and Lago we had another year at Hull FC at the time. Then we go announce yeah. Mahif Nua when ideally, you know, a big six foot four, 18 stone, absolute rough ass of a prop would have been more That's desirable. Yeah, which is which is arguably why we ended up with Sao and Satai because they'd have been a cheap option. Mm. You know, Liggy Sao, what, 10, 10 first grade appearances, Satai maybe three or four, that was it, for New Zealand Warriors, and they're both in the late 20s, you know, so um, we didn't we, we didn't go out and go, oh, these two are fantastic. We went, oh, we, we signed Satai right at the end of the season, didn't we? And he, he ended up coming over for you know, half a dozen games at the back end of the season. Um, and then Sal came at the start of the next season. So, you know, we, that's arguably why we didn't go out and get a name forward, other than Manu Mao. Yeah, I think that is that is fair. And yeah, but obviously, Satai and Sal have been luckily for us phenomenal. Satai gets, you know, he's been absolutely outstanding this year. Like you, you've always said, the Sorry. power of starting him, Liggy Sal. Although, I must admit, we'd much rather see him at 13 with his offloads. He's now just used as a battering ram at prop. I think that's that's what you say. You get a couple more props in. You put Sal back to 13. He uses offloads. Yeah. You know, you've got your two. Yeah. You know, you've got Taylor and, and someone else. Exactly. Bench, yeah. 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 Another big rough-ass prop is what we desperately need. Otherwise, we're, we're going to ruin Sal like we ruined Frank uh, Pritchard. Because we never played him in his correct position. Well, that was the thing, we yeah, Frank Pritchard, yeah, from. yeah, exactly. But you think of all the players where we've done that, where we took, you know, maybe the finesse side of the game, the offload game. I always remember Marco Amelia coming to the club and he was throwing passes out, you know, James Graham-esque out the back, out the back of the wedge player, was offloading, you know, hitting lead runners. And it was just sucked out of him and just became a battering ram. I was like, it's a lot more than that. And it's the same with Sal right now. Liggy Sal is a lot more than a battering ram. 
And totally. the offloads that we saw under Lee Rash at the start of last year, they've almost been sucked out of his game now, and that's because he's literally been used, you know, as a starting, as you say, starting proper once, you know, who's expected to make a dozen to 15 carries a game. And, yeah, I think we need to be a lot smarter in how we address our recruitment, you know, going forward. And that's a whole different kettle of fish. Obviously, hopefully they're doing that right now in how they're yeah. assessing their options for 2022 well, and beyond. That, that's what... That's when we'll see, mate. That's when we'll see what kind of a coach and, and what kind of a, a team he wants. Because, you know, like I say, we keep saying it. It's Radford's team. You know, Radford's team plus Reynolds. So let's see. Let, let's see what we want, what, what, what we get. You know, if he, if he decides he wants a mobile, light pack, like he used to play with at West Tigers, that used to play around teams, well, then he'll go for that. Let's see if he, or if he wants a big bash and crash. You know, um, or he, or if he wants someone that can offload, or if he's just looking for someone that's going to be an enforcer, you know, because the way things are going over here, with all of this head eye stuff and players getting called out and put on report and sin binned every five minutes, and players spending more time than than they're playing, they're, they're spending on the bench watching because they're being suspended, and I would think that there'd be a lot of Australian players saying to saying to their agents if they're off contract, give me to England. Give me to England where I can actually play. Yeah. Touch football. It's getting that. It's getting there, isn't it? NRL. Touch football. I really do, mate. You know, so so whether that's a worry Hargreaves or whether it's a, whether it's a, um, you know, a a Marty Tapao or whether it's a um, Josh Papalini or whether it's whoever it is, you know, who who looked at it and just goes, well, this is the way I've played the game for the last 30 years of my life. And all of a sudden, you tell them I have to play a completely different way, and you've done it at round seven of the competition. You haven't done it in pre-season, so I can even train that way. Mm. Uh, I want to go somewhere else. And if they come to England, where you know it's a bit of a softer competition, man, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we get some big names coming across to England at the end of this season, just because I think they'll think it's a bit more of a um, an open competition that they can actually they can actually play week in week out rather than sitting on the sidelines. You know, two weeks out of every six. Mm. I mean, we all have a score with NRL and so play. The NRL is obviously more intense. The quality is better, but you get a lot of, you know, a lot of players coming from the NRL to Soap League, and they say that Soap League's more open. It's less, yeah. you know, it's less set for set. You know, wait, waiting for the first error if you like. You can, you got a little bit more freedom to express yourself in Soap League, and yeah, I can maybe see it going down that way because I must admit, some of the yellows and reds we're seeing right now in the NRL are, are ridiculous. Some of them. I mean, like we said before, it's be careful what you wish for, innit? Because it got to a stage yeah. now where you literally have to decapitate someone to get sent off in the NRL, whereas now all you have to do is touch the red with your finger and you're off. So you're we haven't yeah, met in the middle, have gone. we? No, 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 there's been no common sense applied to it. Seems seemed like this week it, it had come off the boil a little bit. I think, the, I think the refs have been told use your discretion a bit more. But even then, you know, there, there was a couple of a couple this week that you looked at and thought, oh, okay, you know. Um, you know, that players spending time in the bin, and, and I don't think there was any send offs this week. There was certainly plenty of bins there. So yeah, it was it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't an all time classic round of football this this uh, this weekend gone at all. Except the Tigers beating the Dragons, which was always nice. Yeah, Penrith making it. What's that now? Twelve in a row, you know, cruising at the top of the league, four points clear. You know, I don't even think they got out first gear either. It's yeah. Frightening how good they are at the minute, but yeah, I mean, I saw some results. Must admit, I didn't watch a lot of NRL this weekend. But South's turning Parramatta over after leaking fifty to Penrith the week before. I mean, that was no mean feat. 
Obviously, uh, Cowboys yeah, had yeah. an insane end to their game as well, didn't they, with a drop goal from Valentine Holmes. Oh, so. Stupid game, absolutely <laughs> ridiculous game. Um, another one, you know, we've just we've, we've had them time after time. I mean, you know, Albert Kelly didn't back it, back it up for the Broncos, unfortunately, but they were always on a hiding to nothing playing the storm. Mm. Um, you know, Bunnies beating the Eels, the Eels I thought were awful. Um, Roosters beating the Raiders, that's the Raiders gone this year, I think. Yeah. I can't see a way back for them. Um, and the Sharks beat the Titans that really surprised me the Titans have just gone backwards they had such a good start to the season they've just gone backwards and then I think the, the game that screwed everybody's tipping was the Knights beating the Seagulls I just couldn't believe that yeah because since uh, Turbo Tom's come back the only game they lost was against the Panthers wasn't it and yeah. must admit I was yeah. surprised yeah, to see then, that they only just lost it yeah yeah, yeah it was only 12 points in it um, yeah some weird results as we say some big blowouts as well but I think you get that when you get top feet bottom but obviously the big story and something we've been seeing over here in England as well has been George Williams I mean that's mental absolutely crazy how that's all panned out but the way it was you know I don't know the ins and outs because obviously some, like again you meet in the middle somewhere you get the players point of view the club's point of yeah. view the trophy's always yeah. in the middle somewhere but yeah, the, way, the way it went about you've got, you know, you've got journalists like James Opper you know, writing oh, articles like a school playground and, and on the web. What's all that about? He's an idiot, that bloke. He really is. He's, he's an absolute fool. But at the end of the day, you look at what uh, what the players said, then look at what the club said. Players saying, I was willing to stay for the end of the season. Um, I had no idea they were going to release me. Um, I got a text message saying, that's it, you're gone, you're released. You look at it from the club's point of view. Club said he's asked for a release daily. Um, we've been saying to him, we'll try and get your wife over here. We'll try and give you an extended pre-season over there. Whatever you want, we'll give you extended leave. However, you contracted to us until the end of next year, he said. And then, and then literally the day after they'd had that meeting, he withdrew from training, said he wasn't going to train anymore and made himself unavailable for the next weekend's match. Hmm according to the club. So the club have then gone, well, he's obviously not going to play for us anymore. He doesn't want to play for us anymore. Let's release him now on compassionate grounds. Let's get rid of him. And then hopefully we can bring someone else in to replace him. And that's what they've done. So I think, you know, again, you know, how many how many Wigan players have come over here and used home sickness as, a, as, a, um, as, a, as an excuse for coming home? You know? That's quite a few now. It is, yeah, but so, this is a case where this player has actually come over and done very well in the NRL. So it's... He's done okay. Yeah, he's done okay. I mean, he's still, still a bit naive um, and still, you know, made a few dodgy decisions. And I think he, he hit the ground running and, and there was a, that, that kind of surprise factor in him where people weren't expecting him to run the ball as much as he did. And he, he scored a lot of tries last season. But I think this year he's been wiped out a little bit. I think opposition defences have been wise to him and he hasn't had as good a season this year. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think having Bateman there last year was handy for him because it was a player he knew and he'd played with before. Not having Bateman this year, I think, has really, has really harmed him and really hurt his game and hurt him mentally. Um, and all is not well. At, at, at Canberra, there's there's all sorts of stuff going on there. Hodgson looks like he's he's negotiating a release. He's looking looking like he might even be at um, even be at Brisbane next year. Um, so yeah, there's 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 a lot a lot of problems there. And again, you know that Canberra side that took the field this this weekend, you had Nickel Clockstar or Nickel Clustar or whatever you want to call him now. Um, <laughs> he um, he was he's still injured. Um, you had um, Croker injured. 
Papali'i suspended after getting sent off week before last. So, you know, they were down on numbers as well. Um, there's, there's a lot of weird stuff going on at the moment with all of these suspensions and stuff. You've got players taking the field that you wouldn't expect to see. Suwali at the at the Roosters, who's 17 years old. Um, the third Trebojevic brother made his debut off the bench yesterday for uh, for um, for Manly. Ben Trebojevic. He only played 90 sec 99 seconds with his, his sum total of it. And he went off with a head injury. But um, you know that's uh, the blooding players that normally you wouldn't have probably seen for a season or two, just because the the people getting suspended and people you know with with head knocks and stuff having extended periods out. Like I say, it's, so Cam- Canberra are an absolute an absolute victim of that, yeah. and the whole. I think they've they've looked at it and thought, well, okay, if if that's the way that Williams is going to be and he's going to leave us at the end of the season, this season's more or less done. Let's cut our losses. Let's get rid of him now because he's not happy and he's going to be a cancer in the middle of the squad. Let's get rid of him. See if we can bring someone else in. It's, from the club's point of view, you always get that. I mean, no player is bigger than the club, and the club have got to look after yeah. those, you know, their interests as well. Uh, it's a tough one, obviously, from an English point of view. He's going to be back in Super League, and that can only be a good thing for our competition. Interestingly, when it happened, I noticed a few old fans on our forums went, uh, oh, would you take him at all? I went, come on, mate. You've just watched all for the past eight or nine weeks now. An half-back isn't what we need. We need some props again. <laughs> Bang that drum all day long, because it's middles we need. Big, tough middles as well, not a bloody half-back. We've got Josh Reynolds, we've got Mark Steele, we've got Jake Connor at one. We've still got Jamie Shaw to come back in, so... Yeah. I thought it was hilarious that Leeds, Leeds fans were like, oh, we'll have him. <laughs> yeah, like he'd go to your rabble right now, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, also, no. that coming as well, Leeds beating Cass 60 points to 6. I mean, I know. rugby league is mental. they go backwards, Cass, haven't they? And again, though, you know, that's the second time now in, in successive league games that we're, we're playing a team that's come off the back of a big loss with something to prove. Yeah. You know, after Saints getting towelled up by um, by Catalans, now we've got now we've got Castleford. Um after they've been smashed up by Leeds, so uh, you know, that's 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 not an ideal situation. It's like you remember we, we went through that thing a couple of years back where we always seemed to be the team that players that, that teams played after they'd sacked the coach. <laughs> yeah. We always seemed to be the next team up after a team had sacked the coach and we always seemed to, to suffer that backlash. Um, you know, of a, a squad of players wanting to prove somebody wrong, um, but yeah, that's that's not ideal for us. But yeah, Leeds bloody hell, I mean, they, were, they they couldn't score, couldn't score in a brothel um, against us. But then you know, putting sixty on on Cass, bloody hell, Cass are bad. I didn't think they were that bad. No, no. When you think how bad that Agar attack was, or a bit in Leeds, oh, it was awful. It was it was hilarious, but yeah, it was absolutely horrific. It was horrendous. Yeah, because they all defended well, but. Come on, a team having that possession should always find a way over the line and they couldn't for top pick, could they? I mean, even when they did get over the line, they're still screwing it up. So, yeah, really, that, really weird still, one. I, I watched that daily and I still can't <laughs> understand how he didn't score. So, I, I, it always landed on his gut and he scored. It's like, what was he? I don't understand what he was trying to do. I mean, talk about brain farts. It's like, it's like he saw the whole FC of holding him and thought, oh, I'll just help, me, help out my own club here, you know, my old club. Uh, <laughs> I just can't say any other explanation for it. I can only assume he didn't think he was over the line. Mm. But when he looks down, the, the line's right there. It's in his eye line. So I don't understand how he's missed it. I don't get it. Maybe there's some mileage in these head knocks and maybe they, you know... <laughs> it makes you wonder, because that was a brain explosion if I've ever seen one. It was, mm. yeah, absolutely crazy, yeah. Bit of reminiscing then to back to uh, 2005. Obviously, you made the... 
what was it, whatever, how many thousand mile trek it is for the final against Leeds. But before that was Hull FC's absolutely magnificent 34-8 victory against St. Helens in the semi-final at Huddersfield. And as I say, 16 years down the line, and I can still remember it as if it was yesterday. It was just an absolutely phenomenal performance. And it's it's great. What I like is you, you get fans of an older vintage, uh, you know, talking my dad, you know, people my dad's age, like in the 60s and even 70s, that say that's one of the best performances they've ever seen. You know, never mind me, who's only been going since the late 90s. And it just shows how good it actually was. Totally. Yeah, the most complete whole FC performance in years. Yeah, and it's just an, an absolutely stunning performance. You know, um, that's when Paul Cook was untouchable. Mm. You know, Shane McMenemy, absolutely phenomenal. Um, you, you know, that was when the organisational genius of um, of having Richard Swain there directing troops to take that pressure off Richard Horn, to take that pressure off Bruff. You know, we were just we were incredible. That was that was a really a really interesting squad of players and a really very much a, a John Kia, you know, full of tricks squad. Um, you know, he did the same when he was at um, when he was at Sheffield. Um, that that kind of um, unknown and the and the um, the fact that you know, like in the final, um, you know, every time Cook or Bruff or, or Horn looked like they were getting the ball, there were players all over him trying to smother a kick but the ball went out the back to McMenemy and McMenemy kicked as much as the other two the other three did so you know it was it, that, that semi-final performance mate just about the complete Hull FC performance I mean. and what did we start this podcast off by saying errors I, had, I think you can count on one hand the amount of errors that Hull made in that game they were they were pretty much perfect you know the, the yeah. pack of forwards your Carvels your Paul Kings your Jamie Thackeray's, your Ewan Dowsies, you know, just constantly in that platform, rampaging downfield in the kicking game for me, you know, Danny Brushier, yeah, Paul Cooks, your Richard Arms, it was phenomenal, pinned them in the corners time and time again. In fact, the only try St. Ellen's scored was the mix-up between, I think it was Mottle Turney and Nathan Blacklock, um, yeah. and they ended up, you know, I think it was Jamie Lyon, ended up picking up a loose ball from that error, and... Yeah, they ended up scoring their only try of the game and obviously Hull just built and built on that performance and I think it was 10-8 at the time but then they just went to a new height didn't they? and they couldn't live with him. I always remember Paul Cook scoring in the corner, raising his arms, absolutely screaming and from there we just ran away with the game. It was it was phenomenal. And you, like you say, that St. Helens team was brilliant. It had your Sean Longs in there. You know, that his prime, your Paul Skullforps, you know, your Jamie Lyons who was absolutely world-class for two years over here then went back to the NRL for 10 years with Manly and killed it there too. So... Yeah, it was a hell of a side. James Graham came off the bench in that game as well, you know. God, that makes you feel old, doesn't it? James Graham. Done with, it, Justin. With a baby yeah. face and no beard. <laughs> yeah, 18-year-old 18, 18 came off the bench in that game. Yeah, but... Just, <laughs> I mean, what, yeah, just what a day that was. Absolutely brilliant performance. And in a famous blue kit as well. Yeah. You never know, history could repeat itself on a Saturday afternoon. Well, you got to hope. You know, you got to hope. But... Um, yeah, I mean, we've got a long way to go to hit those heights. But, um, you know, like you say, knockout football. You, you don't put it past us, there. You cannot put it past us. No, absolutely not. And don't forget that, that the whole SE of 2005 was a very hit and miss team. They'd be absolutely brilliant one week, mm-hmm. diabolical the next. I mean, maybe going to Lee at their place at Hilton Park. Yeah. The only time we ever went there. And we were 18 nil up after 10 minutes and ended up drawing the game 22 all. It's like, <laughs> how did that happen? You know, we lost to Wakefield that year, you know. Defeats that you just wouldn't expect, but then we play St. Helens at home in the league. I think we put 44 points past them and absolutely smashed them. And, you know, 
beat, like I say, beat Leeds, beat Bradford and all on the way to the cup, you know, the cup win. But then we'd lose to a team where you're thinking, you know, how the hell do you manage that? And it was sort of a very hit and miss year. But obviously when knockout football came, obviously barring that game against Bradford, we were, you know, red hot. Yeah, and you know, that, that final, I don't think it can be underestimated what um, what happened immediately before that game with Sean Briscoe coming down with um, appendicitis. That, that just closed that team up. It just, it made them, it made them go, the world's against us. There's that siege mentality that, that, that Kia was very good at, at, at fostering for, for cup games and just kind of go, you know, guys, we've, we've got a bit of adversity now. We need to do this. We need to do this for Sean. You know, and, and that's that's literally what they did. They did it for Sean Briscoe um, on the on the day. I mean, I remember looking at it, flying over and going, "Oh Christ, now now we'll leave Motu Tony at, at fullback." And even even then, it wasn't really Motu Tony at fullback. I think um, Blacklock spent more time there, yeah. um, certainly in attack. Um, but you know, it just that that team very well coached, and I don't think you can coach um, that group of players any differently because there they were players that were a little bit maverick in in Cook and Horn. Yeah. But then you got some good old pros as well, in your Kearneys and your and your Blacklocks and your and your um, and your Swains. Yeah, it was uh, it was fantastic, and, and you know we got a long way to go to emulate them. But anything is possible. It um, is that, that game of the weekend, mate. I don't think we got that much to worry about. We improve. We should still win a cup game. We've got some big big players in our team now. You think you know your Paul yeah. Cooks, Max Need right now is a big game player. Steps up more yeah. than not. I mean his. His career at Hull FC, when it's at its peak, has been phenomenal. Jake Connor, again, he's got that play in his locker. Josh Reynolds is due a big one now. You know, we get some ball, we complete, we play on the front foot. He's going to have a say in that because he's a class player. And we have got the capability to do that. And, it, yeah, if we get something close to a perfect performance on Saturday, then we've got every chance of getting a result. Um, back to your side of the world, then. Um, for your rugby league nerds out there, State of Origins are on the corner. I did have an eye on that when they announced the squads. It was nice to see uh, six Penrith Panthers in the 19. Obviously all set for a big Origin 1 and then, yeah. Even nicer for me, mate, because you play West Tigers on Friday and you're going to have six players out of your squad. We'll still beat you, mate, don't worry. <laughs> just the next kid will come off the wheel, won't it? That's what Penrith do, just put the next one out, roll the next one out. It's just a never-ending yeah. cycle. All right, yeah, OK, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Origin 1, obviously it's been moved now, hasn't it? Uh, bit of a Covid yeah, crisis. Yeah, which is interesting uh, no, in itself. Yeah, yeah. To me, yeah, another another Melbourne um, outbreak, um, a pretty nasty one apparently of of, of COVID. So um, they've just taken the they've taken the early decision to move it, um, and it was Queensland's two games this year that they'd actually sacrificed one of the games to go to Melbourne because that's the way they do things these days. So um, the the game was given to Queensland as first, you know. Um, where do you want it? And they've decided the new the new the new stadium up in Townsville. So um, I don't think New South Wales would be too unhappy with that. Um, I don't think they'd have been very happy if it was Suncorp, but um, I think Townsville is probably going to be amenable to them. Um, but yeah, there's it's, there's some some very strange two looking squads at the moment. They're very you know teams you know players that you wouldn't expect to see in them, and, and you know like a lot of big names missing because they're either being injured or they've been um, Suspended for it. Yeah, uh, obviously Josh Papali, he being one of them. So yeah, the big one. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge loss for Queensland. Yeah, but it'd be interesting to see how it pans out at a new venue. I do like the look of Townsville's uh, North Queensland Cowboys new stadium up in Townsville. So 
yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. And obviously, more than not, the team that wins Origin 1 goes and wins the series because then they've only got to win their own game, haven't they? So, yeah, yes. can't play an emphasis on how big it is. And, you know, time for Cleary to step up now as well. He's done that for Penrith all year, well, arguably for the past two years now. But it'd be nice for him to step up in an Origin jumper and just, you know, take his game to that next level, which I think he is doing. He's evolving and evolving and just got better and better. If he does that, you know, with Jerome Luai, with... You know, obviously Ryan Papanos and all the other players in that team, Tom Chaboyevich, Latrell Mitchell, James Tedesco, surely there can only be one winner. I said that last year, though. <laughs> you know, last year, you looked at that, you looked at New South Wales squad and you thought, yeah, whatever. No, no chance of them losing. And then, you know, you, you, had a, you had a game where AJ Brimston was absolutely amazing. Capewell in the centres when he's a second row forward yeah. for Queensland. You know, having, having the, the game of his life you know, Daly Cherry Evans finally standing up in a, in a Maroons jumper. Um, Cameron Munster playing like, out of his skin. You know, Jai Arrow, who, who probably wasn't at the start of the season, anywhere near a Queensland squad, having a great season. So, you know, you look at that pack, you look at the pack that they've picked Queensland. Yeah, they're going to miss Papalee. But, you know, you've still got Welsh, Mahoney, Jai Arrow, David Fafita, Felice Cafusi, Farmacilli, Fotuaka, Offengawi off, off the bench. And, you know, Jaden Suar and, and Harry Grant as a backup hooker as well. Mate, and Cohen Hess not even in the top 17. Mate, that's, that, that's a strong pack. And you, you line that up against a, a New South Wales pack. You know, um, Saifiti, Cook, Trebojevic, Murray, Sims, Yeo. With um, Junior Paulo, Payne Haas off the bench. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're about level, I think. It's, it's going to be won or lost in the halves, I think. And, and maybe even on the wings. You know, you've got Toto and Amado Carr for New South Wales against Coates and Valentine Holmes. What? A, I mean, that's that's electric. That. Some speed there, that's isn't there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, and that's presuming that Ponga is fit. Because Ponga's at fullback for, for Queensland. That's what they've picked him. But he's been off the last couple of weeks and didn't play the weekend for um, Newcastle. You know, against Tedesco. Fuck <laughs> around. What a game that's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be colossal. Bring it on, as always. And I do like the origin concept. I think it's important. Well, obviously, you'll know more than most, obviously, uh, with your past in Aussie local radio. But obviously, sales peak at origin time. I imagine that's even more mid-season than it is end of season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, if you're trying to buy advertising on the on the Channel 9 telecast um, in, in state of origin, if you want a half-time spot or whatever... You could probably quadruple what it would cost you for a normal spot during the week, you know, easily. You're talking hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a 30-second spot in it. Um, if that's local, you know, that, that's that's where I am. If you're looking at Sydney, you're talking hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. It's it's you know it's it's akin to the, the advertising money that the that Channel Nine pull in is is akin to what um, you know on a smaller scale to what the NFL um, telecast does for Super Bowl. Mm. You know, it's 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 full on. Usually, um, Origin one, two, and three are the three highest rating shows all year on Australian TV, beating the AFL, beating everything. They're the highest rating shows. And that's the beast that obviously international rugby league's got to compete with. It's just a different world, isn't it? Unfortunately, for obviously people that advocate the international game, but state of origin, whether you like it or not, is is the peak of the power. Yeah, absolutely. So to finish, Hull FC 
NRL connections. We have gone for Brisbane Broncos, a Queensland side this week. Yeah, well, I thought with Albert Kelly kind of, you know, tearing it up last week and then failing to, to tear it up this week. Um, although Brisbane run hard into nothing playing, um, playing the uh, storm. I thought we'd probably look at Brisbane. And strangely, there hasn't been that many. Now, Brisbane have only been, as, as, the, as named the Broncos, obviously there was the Queensland competition when, you know, Brisbane Norths, Easts, Souths, Wests and all the rest of it for, for years and Wynnum Manly and all of those teams up there. Um, but the Brisbane Broncos have only been together since 1988 as an organisation. So, actually, not many players at all. Obviously, Albert Kelly is the is the current one. Before that, you're looking at Steve Michaels, who had a season or two there before he went to uh, the Gold Coast and then came to us. Brett Seymour, who's probably better known as a, either a Bulldog or a New Zealand Warrior, but he had a season or two at, uh, at the Broncos as well. Um, Obviously, Motu Tony as well. Um, he started at the Broncos. Um, Richard Swain as well had a season or two at the Broncos. And then the two players that we probably more readily associate with being at the Broncos are Sean Berrigan and Sid Domic. Um, and that's it. No other Brisbane Broncos have played for us. So a lot of them are more modern day. Sort of like your 2000s, yeah. aren't they? Obviously, a few 2010s. Yeah. But, yeah, it's interesting that. Um... And I think, I think that's a lot of it, mate, is because... When we had people scouting for us over here, or we had ex-players that were maybe recommending players to come over here, because we'd always signed really from the New South Wales comp, yeah. that's generally what we did. I mean, there's not a lot of Newcastle Knights players that have played, you know, because Newcastle were a little bit further north. We, we've signed a lot of players from Sydney. Um, there might have been Queenslanders, but they were playing in the Sydney comp. Yeah. Um, in the eighties and nineties, so um, I just I just think we we just haven't looked north of the border particularly. There's very very few players that have played for the the Cowboys as well, um, and um, all the the Gold Coast Titans really, um, or if they are, they're not known for them. You might have had a season there when they were on the way out to England or whatever. Um, the, interestingly, there are two coaches as well, um, Peter Gentle, mm-hmm. who uh, obviously I think he had seven games. Um, in charge last at the back end of last year after they got rid of previous bloke and um, Ivan Henjack as well, um, who's an ex Hull FC um, halfback, played for us in the 1992 oh, 93 season, I want to say. Um, he had, had a brief spell with Bradford before that, but then came over for us um, under, um, under Roy Simmons as our halfback after we lost um, Greg Mackey. So, um, but yeah, didn't really set the world on fire, Ivan Hedjak, and uh, didn't really set the world on fire as a coach either for the uh, Broncos. Um, I think he's, he's winning, his winning percentage was just over 50%, which uh, isn't good for Brisbane. No, we always say Brisbane should be a lot better. They should always be, well, I'd, I'd say as far as saying always be a top four in our old club because of the catchment area. They've got the whole pick of the Brisbane City, haven't they? And totally. Obviously, right now, Wooden Spoon last year, you know, bottom four this year, very, very underachieving. But yeah, there's some players there. Sean Berrigan, obviously, I must admit, was a favourite of mine at the time when he came in 2008. It was, it was all class. You know, I had to play a bit of halves. I think he, I'm right in saying he went back to the NRL after his whole SC days and ended up in the centre again. Yeah, I think he went back to. Um, it Canberra. I think he for Canberra. Yeah. Um, I think. Um, yeah, I'd have to check that, but I think he, I think it was Canberra he went to. Um, and you know he was 
he's a good player, Sean Berrigan. You know, he was all class for a long, long time. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah, actually, here we go. Went to the Warriors and then finished off at Canberra. Right. So three years at Hull, um, and then a year at the Warriors, and uh, and two two seasons at Canberra. Yeah. Wrong era. I must admit, coming to Hull, well, obviously signed under Peter, yeah. Peter Sharp, wasn't he? But Peter Sharp obviously left yeah. mid-season, replaced by the talismanic Richard Agar. And, yeah, Hull FC under Richard Agar needs no bloody explanation. It was bloody awful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, um, unfortunately, um, you know, you sign a player that's all class and, and, and he's, he's got silky skills and, and he's known for, for that. And then you just coach it out of him and, and turn him into a cart horse, which is what Richard Agar did to all of our players. Yeah, yeah ten players like Willie Mano, who had all yeah. the finesse, all the skills in the world and really only came out of his shell once, obviously, Agar... Left uh, in the 2011. I remember under Peter Gentle's first year, Danny Tickle and Willie Manu were running absolute riot. They're arguably two of the best, but two of the best back rows in the comp back then. And yeah, it just shows you know different coaches, different way of doing things. But yeah, I just, I just don't get the Agar thing. I really don't. And you know we bang the drum all the time about ex players and current players saying, oh yeah, we love it. Well, must be a reason for that. Maybe you got a, you know nice cushy easy career under Agar because as as a coach. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. Really don't. I mean, what he turned into Hull FC into, we were an absolute rabble. Oh, but, you know, every player we signed at the time, oh, you know, why have you come? Oh, well, Richard sold the, he sold the, the club to us and the city to us and, you know, I really want to play under Richard Agar and all the rest of it. I'm glad he out. A hell of a better, because he's not a coach. No. that much for nothing. <laughs> Maybe he's in the wrong job. <laughs> Get him in yeah. as, a, as an admin side, but yeah, definitely leaves a lot to be desired there. But yeah, looking forward to Saturday now. Hopefully, Hull FC will get a response. We'll get a, a near perfect performance against St. Owens and we'll we'll give him a bloody good crack and push him all the way because you know the capability and talent within our squad is there to do it. Dead right. Let's go for it. Absolutely. And as always, come on, you all. Thanks for your time, mate. Cheers, mate.